Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic, fantastic. We are kicking off a series to start this year called First Things First. First Things First. First, what is priority? The most important things. How many of you know you give your best attention to things that are most important? And if we get first things first, it's amazing how the rest is blessed. Can I have a better amen? You have your Bibles turned to Luke chapter 11. I want to talk to you about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. As you're turning to Luke 11, I want to read this quickly to you. A pastor recently went to the dentist for a set of false teeth. Uh, the first Sunday after he gets his new teeth, he talks for only eight minutes. The second Sunday, he spoke for only 10 minutes. But the following Sunday, he preached for two hours and 48 minutes. Congregation had to mob him to get him off the pulpit, and they asked him afterwards what happened. The pastor explained, you know, the first Sunday, my gums hurt so bad, I could only talk for about eight minutes. The second Sunday, it wasn't much better, and I could only speak for 10 minutes. But the third Sunday, I accidentally put my wife's teeth in by mistake, and I couldn't stop talking. Turn to your neighbor and say, he ain't right. Some of you are wondering which set of teeth I got in today. Come on, fasten your seatbelt for the next two hours and 48 minutes, baby. Here we go. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I want to read this single passage as we talk about prayer. Um, interesting uh, concept here as we unpack this together. I want you to read it with me. The Bible says in Luke 11, verse 1, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I want you to circle that in your Bible, underline that phrase, write that down somewhere. Interesting request that the disciples made. Lord, would you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? Now, let me ask you this question. If you had one request and only one request of Jesus, if you could ask Jesus for one thing, somebody say one thing. That's all you get is one request. If you could ask Jesus for one thing, Lord, show me how you do this. What would it be? You ever consider that? Of all the things that Jesus did and the disciples saw him do, how many of you know Jesus did some amazing things? Remember when he walked on water? How many thinks that'd be pretty cool? Lord, show me how to do that walk on the water thing. That would impress some people. Or, or I like the time whenever Jesus, when uh, he told Peter to, to go fish and he got that fish out of the lake and then what he pulled out of the fish's mouth? Pulled some money out of the fish's mouth. How many liked for, for the Lord to teach you how to do that? Fellas, would that affirm your fishing trips a little bit more? Baby, I'm going fishing. Got some bills to pay, I'm going fishing. Or when Jesus would calm a storm, how many of you would love to have control of the weather? Yeah, I'd wake up this morning, see that 24 degrees, be like, nope, not today. Or, or, or when Jesus took the, the two fish and the five loaves 
And that little boy sack lunch, and then he blessed it, and he gave it, and fed 5,000 people. How many thinks that would be a pretty cool thing right there? Oh, man, did Jesus take that six-count nuggets at Chick-fil-A, and he'd turn it into a 12-piece. Man, I could get some mileage out of that gift. I was telling David earlier, I'm waiting for Chick-fil-A to name one of their value meals the amen. That way I could walk up to the counter and say, can I get an Amen. Oh, that's cheesy. Turn to neighbor and say, that was cheesy. <laughs> or what about when Jesus turned the water into wine? Hey, I had some friends in college that would have loved that gift right there. Of all the things the disciples saw Jesus do, it's interesting that this is the one thing. Somebody say one thing. Come on, first things first. This was the one thing that they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to do that? Because when you do that thing, all these other things happen. Come on, are you with me? You see, I'm not trying to teach you about all these other things. I just want you to learn one thing. If we can dial into the power of one thing, first things first, if we can discover the power when we prioritize prayer, if we'll commit ourselves to one thing, it's amazing how all these other things begin to take place. There was something about the life the cadence of life, how Jesus carried himself, the rhythm of life, the flow of life, the power that Jesus walked in through life that they said, you know what, Jesus, when you pray, there's something about time that you spend with God that transforms our journey. And as a church, my desire as your pastor this year is that you would dial into the power of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. You see, I believe that when you and I learn how to pray, we have the power of heaven and earth at our disposal. Are you convinced that prayer moves the hands that move the world? If we really believe that, then we'll know there is power in that. Now, I'm not just talking about some religious exercise. Hear me. Prayer is not just something that you do, but it's the foundation of all you're doing. Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, the goal of the message today, it's not about guilt. I know sometimes when we talk about prayer, sometimes there's this feeling of, oh, I don't pray enough. I don't pray as I should. I've kind of neglected prayer. And, and the preacher's going to say, you should be praying more. It's not about guilt today. It's not about legalism. I'm not trying to strap a bunch of rules on you and say, you got to do it like this. But I do, if I had a desire that you would leave today, it would be this, with a motivation to pray, a knowledge of how to pray, and a commitment to do it regardless of how you feel or what you see. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this word. This is an important place to start. Write down the word access. Somebody say access. Access, this is key, this is critical, because you and I have access to Almighty God. Have you ever noticed how, how one generation always tells the next generation how difficult they had it growing up? How many of you, you remember talking to your dad or your granddad, and they always tell you a story, well, you know what, back in my day, let me tell you, you kids these days, you got it so easy. My grandfather used to tell us that. Oh, kids these days. I don't understand kids these days. You guys just got it so easy. You know, back in my day, we walked to school in the snow. Five miles backwards. Both ways. 
cell phones and iPads. We didn't have internet back in my day. You know, and in some way, and every generation does this, do we not? I find myself now saying, well, you know what, kids, back in my day, I had, your mama and I, we didn't have cell phones. I wasn't FaceTiming. I had to put a letter in the mail and put a stamp on it. (laughs) They're looking at me like, what? What's your problem? You know, (laughs) no, Snapchat, dad's crazy. (laughs) Every generation kind of insinuates, well, you know what? Your generation just isn't paying the price. If you just work hard enough, you'd pay the price. Here's the beauty of prayer. Jesus paid the price to give us access. You see, there was a day when the people of God didn't really have access to God, had to go through other things and other practices and the priests and the prophets and all these rituals. But now Jesus came and because of his sacrifice, we have a bloodline that gives us access directly to God. Look at what Hebrews says, Hebrews 4, verse 15. This high priest, now he's talking about Jesus. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Isn't it good to know that we will never go where Jesus has not already been? Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, whatever battles or challenges you're currently walking through, Jesus understands We have a a high priest. He understands our weaknesses. Look at what it says in verse 16. So let us come boldly. Somebody say boldly. Ooh, do you mean we can approach God with boldness? Yes, the Bible says come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Why? What are you going to find when you enter the presence of God? He says there we'll receive mercy. How many of you are thankful for mercy? How many of you are believing for more mercy in 2017? You're going to need some mercy this year. The Bible says that we'll find mercy and grace to help us when we need it most. You see, here's the good news. As as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, you and I have been given access to the Father. It's a privilege. and, And unfortunately, I don't know if we take advantage of that like we should. You know, several weeks ago, I remember having a meeting in my office with some of our executive team, and we were talking about the business of the church. I mean, a lot of decisions to be made, departments and finances and future and campuses and, you know, just the life and business of the church. And so we're all in this in my office and the door is closed. And the next thing I know, I see my son. I see Trevor's head just kind of pop in. Hey, Dad. He'd gotten off of school early, and so he just opens the door, comes right on in, and at that moment, the nature of the meeting changed. Hey, son, what's up? How was your day? Talk to me. What did you do? And so, you know, we shifted gears just for a moment because my son had walked into the room. Now, listen, we don't just open that door for anybody and everybody, but because he belongs to me, he had access into my world. Now, here's the thing, because you and I belong to Jesus, we have access into God's world. It's the bloodline. Come on, somebody. You know, as sons and daughters, there's a certain right. There's a privilege now. Now, now think about it. Don't take it for granted, but it's a wonderful, powerful privilege to be in the presence of God and have access. Now, all of a sudden, his world is available to me. 
How many of you need what's going on up there? You need that happening right here in your life. As sons and daughters, we have access. I remember when Rachel and I got married 20 plus years ago. It's amazing to me the concept of, you know, we, we made promises to each other, a covenant to God and to one another. And out of that, her last name became mine. She was now a Haman. I'm like, girl, Haman looks good on you. She now all of a sudden had access. All the rights and privileges of being a Haman were now hers. She could write checks out of the same checking account. All $2.38 of it. All the rights and privileges of two thirty-eight were now hers. Come on, somebody. Isn't it interesting how Jesus gives us his name, Christ? We are Christians. We are sons and daughters, and now we have access into a realm that we would normally not have. I want you to consider this. Not only do we have access to God, but through prayer, we give God access to us. All of us. Lord, everything that you have that I need, now it's available to me. But by the same token, Lord, everything that's in here, God, it belongs to you. Every part of my life. How many of you know there are some good parts of life, but there are some ugly and bad and difficult parts of life. And so in prayer, we don't just come and present our best. We present our all. Everything. How many of you know that it's important with God that we keep it real? Fellas, has it ever been interesting to you how you know something's not right and your wife is upset? You can read her like a book. And you ask her, babe. Is everything okay? And she says, I'm fine. How many of you know that ain't true? Or, you know, I'll ask Rachel, hey, babe, we'll be driving down the road. I can just sense it in the car. It's just all, that vibe is all up in the car. I'm like, baby, you, you okay? Oh, it's nothing. Can I tell you, I've learned the interpretation of, oh, it's nothing. It means something's terribly wrong. It's all your fault. And it's up to you to figure out what you've done. Right? (laughs) Ladies, am I I, I close? Ladies, did I get? Okay. Fascinating to me. I know something's not right, but she's just not wanting to talk about it. Sometimes, why is it that we get into the presence of God and we feel like we got to fake God out? Like we got it all together. It's all right. Can I tell you what I've learned about prayer? Prayer is sometimes messy. You with me? If you're going to keep it real with God, sometimes there are broken pieces in our life. Sometimes there are are, are difficult pieces, maybe even some embarrassing pieces of our life. But through prayer, we have the opportunity to say, oh, God, my life is a mess. Can I tell you, he already knew that he was just waiting on you to discover that. Can I tell you, he can't put you back together until he first have, until he first has all the pieces. You got to give him all the pieces. My life is a mess. I've discovered this. You either are a mess, you were a mess, or you're one bad decision away from making a mess. Oh God. You see, prayer is messy, but powerful prayer is honest prayer. It's for, and that's what I love about this church. I love you can come to healing place and you don't have to pretend like you got it all together. Guess what? We know something about you. You don't have it all together. And it's okay to say, Lord, this is where I 
am. Why is it that some people have such a difficult time admitting where they are? You see, with access, God gives us the ability to connect with who he is. And then we say, Lord, you come in and every part of my life, whether I'm proud of it or not, Lord, it belongs to you. Spurgeon said this, prayer is never more real than when it comes out of the worst places of your life. You see, if we're going to be honest with God, we've got to allow God to be honest with us. Look at what James says, James chapter 5, verse 16 The writer says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Somebody say great power. Has great power and it produces wonderful results. Somebody say wonderful results. One translation says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. It produces wonderful results and has effectual power. Verse 17, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. You say, well, pastor, that was Elijah. I'm not Elijah. Listen, the scripture says there's no difference. There's no difference. I'm going to tell you, the power of prayer is this. The playing field is level. Somebody say access. That's important. The second thing, number two, write down this word, plan. Plan. It's great that we have access to the presence of God, but then what do we do once we enter that place? How do we facilitate or navigate that? And this is where I feel like sometimes people get stuck. I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know what to pray. Is there a formula? The Lord has given us what's called the Lord's Prayer, and that simply serves as a guideline. It's not necessarily words like some magic spell or if we'll just kind of, you know, quote this phrase, then all of a sudden we get all the prizes of heaven. What do I do once I get into the presence of God? I actually thought about this. I don't know how you grew up, but if your dad was like mine, did your dad ever just throw you into the deep end of the swimming pool and said, man, figure it out. Maybe if you couldn't afford swimming lessons, he said, here we go, one, two. And you just kind of, you know, when you're in the deep end, when you're in over your head, you're just doing your best to keep your head above water. Sometimes prayer can feel like we're drowning in the deep end. What do we do in the presence of God? If you don't have instruction, you won't know. And that's why 21 days of prayer and fasting is so important. You know, I want to invite all of us to take the journey together for the next 21 days, if you'll just commit the next three weeks, somebody say three weeks, if you'll just take the next 21 days, look at the transformation that will begin to happen in your life. You know, here in the morning, what we'll do, and I know schedules are crazy and we've got school and we've got work and some of you, you know, it's impossible for you to be here at 6 a.m. But if you can physically get here 
over the next 21 days. Be here at 6 o'clock right here in this sanctuary. We, what we do, there's a, there's a certain pattern that we've kind of built to help us navigate time in the presence of the Lord. We'll take the first 15 or 20 minutes and you know, we'll have worship music playing. People come in with their Bibles or, or their devotionals. Some of you, you've downloaded the, the Bible reading plan. There's the devotion right there. There's scriptures. It's a time for meditation. It's a time for reflection. You know, I want you to know this, that prayer is not just a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer, it's not just what we say to God, but it's what he says to us. And I think, now now what you say to God is important, but what he says to you is more important. Are you with me? And so we'll take the first 15, 20 minutes and we'll journal, we'll read, just position our hearts. And then out of that, we come together and we sing a couple songs, corporate worship, where we're thanking God and we're praising him and aligning our focus. And then out of that, we take specific prayer points and collectively we begin to pray. And it's amazing what you can learn in environments that, that, that prioritize the presence of God. I believe that you can discover things in prayer this year that you've never seen before. I believe God is always speaking, but sometimes there's interference and and we're not always listening. In fact, next week, we'll actually talk about fasting. I want to teach you biblical fasting and give you tools that will help you to turn down the volume of the world so that you can amplify the voice of God. 21 days, if you'll just commit the next three weeks, I believe God will begin to align your steps and order you, and you'll cover more ground than you've ever thought possible. You're going to grow this year because you're going to learn not only that we have access, but you'll learn, hey, there's a plan, there's a process. Now, now let me just be quick to say this. Prayer is not performance, okay? I can remember being in Sunday school years ago. And in the Sunday school class, the teacher always loved having us pray out loud. And that was just a challenge for me. I struggled with it. I mean, I could think thoughts toward God and, you know, maybe even pray quietly and privately. But when I had to pray in front of people, oh, that was the worst. And she'd have us hold hands and we'd stand in a circle. Has anybody ever done this before? You had to hold hands, stand in a circle, and when it was your, your time to pray, you prayed out loud, and then you squeezed the hand of the next person, and that was kind of their signal that now it's their turn. And then they'd pray and squeeze the hand of the next, and so you kind of went around like that. And I can remember b- being last in line and just so frustrated because everything that I wanted to say, they had already said. Oh, she took my thought. Oh, I wanted to say that. That was so good. Oh, man, he took that phrase. Oh, that was. And so by the time it got to me, you know, that person squeezed my hand. I just squeezed the other hand, just passed it on around. You know, because I put some pressure on myself that I had to say the right words. You know, and sometimes prayer can be intimidating because you feel like, well, I don't know enough Bible or I don't know the right terminology, or it's a little intimidating to pray when others are listening. And God has to remind us that it's not performance. Can I tell you this? You don't impress God when you're trying to impress others. Ooh, come on, somebody. Somebody needs to tweet somebody. 
You're not impressing God when you try to impress others. Prayer is about a personal conversation. It's a dialogue with the Lord. Now, let me, as it relates to plan, I want to encourage you, and this will liberate some people, because prayer is not a one-size-fits-all kind of deal. You know, what works for me, the practices that I walk through, it's not necessarily going to work for you. I could give you some general practices and you can bring that through your own filter. I know sometimes people, they feel they connect best with God in nature. And so they like to, whether they're on a deer stand or whether they take a walk, you know, something about nature, God speaks to them. And that's fantastic. Other people, they feel like they connect best with God when they're by themselves. I need a closet and I need to cut off the chaos around me and dial into the voice that's within me. And so solitude works best. Other people feel like I hear best from God in community. Oh man, I need people around me agreeing with me. Some people hear from God when they're serving. I feel so alive when I'm doing this project. I went on this outreach. There's different ways that prayer can be experienced and expressed. But I want you to know this. Prayer is always customized to your personal wiring. The way that God created you. Turn to that person next to you and check them out. Just look them over. Can you imagine that nose on your face? I mean, check out that hairstyle. What if that hairstyle was, was your, I mean, now God bless all of it, but how many of you know God made you to be unique? And so don't try to force somebody else's model on your specific personality. Are you with me? This is going to set us free today. God takes into consideration the way that he's wired us, but then also he takes into consideration our season of life. Some of you are in a different season of life than you were 15, 20 years ago. When I was in college, I had time. I remember taking naps. I had a window in the afternoon where I didn't have class. Oh, I loved it. From about 2.30 to 4, that was sweet. Can I tell you, there is no nap time for me now. You know, I would wake up late. I would go to bed late. When I was in college, I would late at night, 1130, 12 o'clock at night, listening to my worship music, man, journaling, just hearing from God. Midnight, man, was my best hour. Now I'm an old guy. I get tired at 930, but I'm up at five, baby. I'm an early morning guy. So, you know, depending on your season, some of you are like your moms, and I, I get that. You've got kids everywhere, and your life is crazy, and it's noisy, and you feel exhausted all the time, and you're thinking, you know what? I used to be a good Christian and hear from God when I was younger, but now I've got all these kids and responsibilities and family, and I can't hear from God. I'll tell you this. God speaks to us in everyday, ordinary moments of life. You want to know how this works for me? Can I just give you a little window into what prayer looks like for me? Now, again, this is not to try to put bondage on you, but I want you to look into my world and see the plan of prayer and kind of how I incorporate it. Because I believe that Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. I believe that. And you don't have to wait till you get to church to seek the face of God. I, can I tell you this? My best moments in God are in my car. How many of you, you're driving a lot and you own the roads and you run into traffic and you need a move of God in your car? <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm talking to somebody right now. I drive a Honda and it's me and Jesus and the Holy Ghost and we're all in one accord. Come on, somebody. 
I know that was cheesy too. Uh, oh, for two today. But, but for real, I am, when I drive, I've got a set of scriptures that I've tried to commit to memory over the last 10, 15 years. And I will rehearse the scriptures and I say them out loud. I do. I think it, it, I want my spirit to hear my mouth declare the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. My faith is built when I'm praying the scriptures. And so I'll just rehearse the scriptures. A couple of weeks ago, we drove to Georgia to see my mom for Christmas. And so we're on the road for eight hours and everybody's got their iPads and cell phones and watching their movies. And so, man, it's just me and I'm in the driver's seat and I'm like, okay, I'm bringing my scriptures with me. Pull my scriptures down. Ooh, he that the son is set free is free indeed. John 8, 36. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 54, 7. I just start rehearsing the scriptures. And you know what? I'm telling you, you get two and a half hours into quoting the word of God. Ooh, I was wanting to pull over to a gas station. I got to find me somebody to lay hands on in Jesus name. Man, I'm shouting. I'm telling when you, the word of God being stirred up in me, you say, Mike, I don't know what to say. Well, just say the word. If you just, watch this, watch this. When you pray the word of God, you're praying the will of God. And God is true. His word does not return void, Isaiah 55, 11, but it will accomplish that which he's purposed and will prosper where into the thing that he sends it. So enough of, of Lord, bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. Why don't we just do what God's blessing? The blessing is on his word. And so I'm going to align myself. So what I do, I pray the scriptures. I say the scriptures. I speak those scriptures over my kids. We're on our way to school. And you know what I'm telling them? Listen, you are equipped from head to toe, head to toe in the full armor of God. Every battle, every challenge, every opposition, you've got the helmet of salvation that will guard your mind and your thoughts. You've got the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart and your spirit. You've got the shield of faith to block every fiery dart of the enemy. You've got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God to slice and dice the devil and cut him down to size. You've got the belt of truth that holds up your dignity, your honesty, and your integrity. And for shoes, you've got the gospel of peace. And those shoes will order your steps and give you purpose and direction. The Bible says in Psalm 144, verse 1, Bless the Lord who is my rock. He gives me strength for battle and skill for war. Uh, you just begin to pray the scriptures over your family, over your life, over your situation. That's what I do. Sometimes I pray in the Holy Spirit. Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. What did he just say? Does he speak in tongues? Oh, my pastor speaks in tongues. <sighs> I have a tongue just like you. I use it to talk like you. Uh, the Bible talks about in Acts, the book of Acts, the, the, the move and the operation of the gifts of the spirit. Read your Bible. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not freaky. But the scripture tells us in Romans 8, 26, when we don't know how to pray as we should, the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings and words that can't be uttered. There are sometimes I lack the ability in my English language. I don't have the vocabulary to express the urgency that I sense in my spirit. So not only am I praying the scriptures, I just pray in the Holy Ghost. And it's all happening in the Honda. Come on, somebody. Now, look, that's just my deal. That's my deal. It doesn't have to be your deal. It's my deal. Turn your neighbor and say, I knew he was weird. I knew it. I knew it. Somebody say access. Somebody say plan. Now, number three, somebody say perspective. 
I'm going to ask the band to come up and let's close this way. Perspective, perspective. Now, let me give you perspective because here's one of the sticking points when it comes to prayer. Some of you feel like you have prayed and sought God for some specific things. And maybe it didn't work out the way you intended. Well, I prayed for my uncle to receive healing in his body and he passed away. Or I prayed for my friends. They were struggling in their marriage and I just knew God was going to restore their marriage, but maybe it ended in divorce. Or maybe you, I was praying for that promotion on my job and I didn't get it and I have been in the same financial situation for years. And now here's, here's the danger. Here's the danger. When we put God into a corner and we expect him to do what we say, We set ourselves up for major disappointment. And here's what happens. You'll either blame God. God, you weren't big enough. God, you said that in your word, but you weren't true to it. Or you'll blame yourself. I didn't have enough faith for my uncle to be healed. I didn't have enough faith for their marriage to be restored. I guess I didn't have enough faith for that financial breakthrough. And you'll blame God or you'll blame yourself. Now, here's where prayer takes perspective. I want you to hear this. It's very important. Prayer has to be submitted in faith and surrendered in trust. Watch this combination. Submitted in faith. That means, Lord, I believe you can. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as I offer this prayer, I attach faith to it. It's submitted in faith, but then it has to be surrendered in trust. Not only do I believe that you can, but Lord, I trust that you know Are you with me? Because then once we submit it in faith and surrender it in trust, then the results are not our responsibility, but God's. And and, and, and here's, this is where perspective comes into play. Because my fear is some of you have prayed over some specific things and you didn't see the results. And so you gave up on prayer. Or when you didn't see results, you felt like you weren't good enough. Or you saw what was happening in somebody else's life and compared it to yourself and thought, you know what? I'll never be what I'm supposed to be. Let me tell you this. When we pray, submitted in faith, surrendered in trust, our focus has to be on him. In Mark chapter 6, before Jesus fed the 5,000, the Bible says Jesus took five loaves and two fish. And you know what he did? He looked up toward heaven. Where was his focus? Heaven. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, in John chapter 11, the Bible says, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus, where did he look? He looked up to heaven and said, can I tell you this? When Jesus prays, he doesn't look at the lack of resources. He doesn't look at the grief of Mary and Martha over Lazarus. He doesn't look at the impossibilities of his circumstances. He looks up to God. When you pray this year, your perspective needs to be, Lord, my eyes are on you. You see, put your eyes on what's most true. Most true. Watch this. I'm not saying deny reality. Well, I need healing in my body. You're not sick. Don't speak sickness over your body. Well, wait a second. If you got a fever, that tells you something's not right. You know, you don't have to deny reality, but you put your eyes on what's most true. 
I mean, did the boy have two fish and five loaves of bread? Yeah, that was true. But Jesus put his eyes on what was most true. It was Lazarus dead and been buried and in that tomb for four days? You better believe it. But Jesus put his eyes on what was most true. So this year, you're going to have to keep your eyes on what's most true. I, I, I thought about this. Let, let me close. July of last year, very difficult for our city. So much anger and animosity and, you know, all the shootings and the loss of life, civilian and police officers. And, man, this city was very divided. And you and I both know how difficult those days were. Um, and still to, the, to a degree, the, the situations that we're walking through. And I remember receiving a call and they asked us as, as a church, would we be willing to open up this facility to host a memorial service for all three officers, for their families? And, uh, you know, our heart is to add value to people. I know everybody was hurting and, you know, we all did what we could to express the unity and the love of Christ and bring this community together. So we said, uh, of course, we'll, we'll open up this facility and, and uh, let's do our best to comfort and encourage and point people to Christ. Well, then, you know, after we'd committed to it, I realized, okay, wait a second. We got some dignitaries that are coming in. Wow. Well, okay, great. Who's coming in? Well, the vice president of the United States is going to be here. Oh, Okay didn't know that yeah the attorney general's coming as well and so you got all these white house officials that are coming you got fbi and you got all this security you know, the governor's going to be here the mayor's going to be here all these officials and I'm like, wow okay well let's just continue to be who we're supposed to be we'll be a church you know healing place for a hurting world and then they asked me they said well pastor would you would you be willing to pray it's like okay sure and then i got to thinking oh wow i gotta pray Vice president's going to be here. Attorney general's going to be here. Our governor, our mayor, all these officials. I mean, you got all the, the news media, CNN and Fox, and multiplied thousands of people. I Man, I started to get a little intimidated. Like, oh, Lord, God, you got to help me. I mean, how many know I started praying, but I started praying at a whole nother level right there. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And so I'm on my way to church that day, and I get a text, and it was somebody saying, Pastor, we want you to pray. Can, we, we've given you a 10-minute slot to pray. I was like, 10 minutes? <sighs> Don't give a preacher 10 minutes and tell him to pray. I'm thinking, man, I got I to gotta look something up, man. I got, oh, I got to go back to some notes. I got, you know, and, and all this stuff started to come on me, and it's almost like God had to slap me in the face. <laughs> He said, Mike, don't forget who this is all about. It's all about these families that are hurting. And boy, you better keep your eyes on me. So when they invited me up on this platform, and ever, all the dignitaries were here on this stage. And when I took this stage, I just felt God reminding me, you're in the presence of the king of kings. And so what do you do when a king walks into the room? You stand. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's all stand. Everybody stood up. And I shut my eyes, and I felt like I was in my Honda Accord. I said, okay, here we go. Vice President, Attorney General, Governor, Mayor, everybody, welcome to the Honda. And I prayed, and you know what? I, I had to keep my focus on him. I had to look up. You know why? Because if you look out, you still gonna have problems. But if you look up, you've got hope. And, and I just believe that some of you this year, God's saying, look to me. 
whatever circumstances that have, have kind of followed you from last year into this year, God's saying, you keep your eyes on me. I've given you access. I'm going to show you a plan, but don't forget perspective, what it's all about. It's all about me and what I'm doing in your life. Do you receive that today? Come on. Can you put your hands together this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.